conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. And since today is Easter Sunday, happy Easter if you observe the holiday. We have a lot of audio material today, so I'm going to keep my commentary to a minimum. The disastrous and illegitimate Biden presidency continues to stumble along with our president doing all he can to carry out the insane policies of his handlers and masters, the fabulously wealthy elites and their bizarre alliance with communists, other socialists and left-leaning individuals and organizations. These policies include completely opening our borders and allowing millions of mostly desperately poor people from all over the world to freely enter the United States, many of them having been deported criminals, previously deported criminals, disastrous monetary policy leading to historically high inflation, the heavy restrictions on domestic energy production and abandonment of our previous energy independence, promoting homosexuality and transgenderism in our schools and popular culture, along with hatred toward Caucasians and terrifying a gullible public with cataclysmic yet unsubstantiated visions of climate change ostensibly caused by use of fossil fuels and displaying weakness and instability to both our opponents and allies around the world. It's not beyond reason, however, to conclude that much of this madness is actually by design. That is, there are powerful and evil forces who, many people believe, fraudulently installed Joe Biden in the White House, and there's a lot of evidence to back it up. And these people either believe that the USA is a danger to the world or rather to their vision of what the world should be and must be destroyed or are willing, thanks to their fabulous wealth made possible by their, for now, benefactors in the Communist Chinese Party, to weaken and ultimately destroy America so they can be eventually turned over as a vassal state to their masters in the CCP. And yet they stupidly believe that they will still be rich, privileged, and powerful after America, as we have known it, has been destroyed. So let's once more go back to the stolen 2020 election that led to Joe Biden being given enough electoral college votes to be made president. Let's start off today's sound files with audio from President Trump's speech at a Save America rally April 9 in Selma, North Carolina. Play sound by one, please. Thank you very much. That's great. This is a big crowd of people. This is nice. Thank you, Selma. We love to be in Selma, and we've had some great experiences here, and we've had a great victory here. Tremendous. I'm thrilled to be back in the great state of North Carolina with thousands of proud, hardworking American patriots. Seven months from now, the people of North Carolina are going to vote to fire the radical left Democrats. You're going to send the very great man. He's a great man. I've known him a long time. He's a tremendous person. Ted Budd to the U.S. Senate. 
Thank you, Ted. You're going to elect an incredible slate of true America First Republicans. Up and down the ballot you will go, and together we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi's political career once and for all. She is crazy. The stakes this November could not be higher. Biden and the congressional Democrats triggered runaway inflation, the supply chain disaster. How about that? You go to a store, you don't have anything on the shelves. Whoever even heard of it? They declared war on American energy, and now the middle class is being crushed by the highest gas and food prices in the history of our country. Violent criminals are being set loose in Democrat-run cities to prey on innocent citizens. There's never been anything like the crime that we're witnessing in the Democrat-run cities. While radical left judges persecute Republicans and hold political prisoners without trial, our children are being indoctrinated. Our values are being desecrated. Our heritage is being obliterated. And our country is being humiliated by a president who has no idea what the hell is going on. He has no idea what he's doing and no idea what he's saying, actually. Just have to look at what's happening. The simple fact is the presidential election was rigged and stolen. And because of that, because of that, our country is being systematically destroyed. We have a president who is challenged, <laughs> but he's surrounded by vicious, evil, and very corrupt people who are doing whatever they want to in running our country to ruin. With your vote this November, we can stop our nation's decline. We can make America great again, and that's what we're going to do. Well, President Trump sounds very hopeful about our voting. Commentators on the political right, such as Dr. Steve Turley, talk about a red tsunami in the midterm elections this fall. That is red as in Republican electioneering, not uh, red as in communist red. But this will not happen if our elections are still rigged as they were in 2020, as well as to some extent before and, and after and since. It's obvious to me and many millions more Americans and other people around the world that there was a mass there were there was massive fraud in the 2020 election, as Trump referred to in his speech in Selma here. If you've been following the battles over election integrity, you are probably aware of former Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice and State Special Counsel Michael Gableman's investigation into allegations of fraud in that state in the 2020 election. Gableman recently submitted his report to the Wisconsin legislature in which he declared that there was indeed widespread fraud in Wisconsin in the election and that the state's electoral votes that were cast for Joe Biden should definitely be rescinded. Among Gableman's findings were that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, who spent some $400 million to promote ballot drop box operations in the election, particularly for Democrat-dominated areas in Wisconsin and around the country, promoted large-scale ballot fraud that handed the election to Biden. Gableman stated that Zuckerberg and, and or those he appointed to run the operation in Wisconsin appear to be in violation of the state's bribery law. There is a recently released video out about this 
titled Rigged, the Zuckerberg-Funded Plot to Defeat Donald Trump. You can buy a digital copy and watch this video on the internet for about five bucks. I did and found the video very informative. Just as just do a search for this title. Again, that is Rigged, the Zuckerberg-Funded Plot to Defeat Donald Trump. If you search that title on the internet, it'll come up and you can go there. And uh, if you want, you can buy, a, I believe, a, D, a DVD or something with it. But you can also see it right there by once you pay for it and watch it. It's also interesting that Zuckerberg just the other day announced that he's discontinuing his national Dropbox operations. David Bossie of Citizens United, which produced the video during an interview about it, said his organization did not address allegations of massive hacking of voting machines around the country during the 2020 election, believing that the Zuckerberg operation alone was enough to have swayed the election for Biden. But again, if you've been following election integrity efforts, you are aware of MyPillow.com CEO and election integrity warrior Mike Lindell's longstanding claims that communist China and other foreign U.S. adversaries hacked our electric, electronic voting equipment during the 2020 election and flipped possibly millions of votes cast for Trump to Biden. I don't have any doubt that there was widespread ballot fraud during 2020, such as the Zuckerberg operations, along with electronic manipulation of votes that together delivered the presidency to Biden. If you listen to our last program, you heard John Solomon of Just the News declare that the establishment's dam of silence and denial about the massive 2020 election fraud is breaking. And there is a flood of confirmations of election irregularities and Ill- illegalities, making it more and more evident that the 2020 election was stolen. Mike Lindell has recently posted a new video about the vulnerability of all of our electronic voting equipment. You can find and watch this video where it was posted on the Lindell Report episodes on Lindell's free speech website, Mike, I'm sorry, frankspeech.com. That's F-R-A-N-K-S-P-E-E-C-H.com. The video itself is more than an hour long, but here we'll play just a few minutes of audio from it. After his introduction of the video, Frank Speech's Brandon House plays the full video. In our soundbite here, you'll hear the video start off with comments from testimony by University of Michigan Computer Science and Electrical Engineering Professor Alex Haldeman. You'll also hear Haldeman speaking in the middle and at the end of the soundbite. But there's also statements from cybersecurity reporter Kim Zetter, Rice University Computer Science Professor Dan Wallach, former U.S. United Nations Ambassador Douglas Lute, Andrew Appel of Princeton University, and other computer and security professionals testifying and speaking in the video. It's titled Hacking America's Voting Machines. Please play soundbite two. This is the Lindell Report, bringing you news combined with hope by offering practical and achievable action points to assist you in defending and preserving faith and freedoms. And now, here is your host, Mike Lindell. Good evening and welcome to the Lindell Report. I'm Brandon House in for Mike Lindell, who is traveling on business tonight. And I want to bring to you a special presentation that Mike asked me to play for you tonight. 
It's uh, a lot of historical video clips detailing the hacking of our voting machines. Uh, I watched some of it this afternoon. Quite interesting. All the people that have talked about the dangers of our voting systems and the voting machines and their vulnerabilities to being hacked. And so we're going to play this. It's an hour and seven minutes. We won't get through the whole hour and seven minutes, obviously. But we're going to play several minutes, you know, a, close to an hour of it, because I'm going to turn this thing right over to uh, Logan to play. I know America's voting machines are vulnerable because my colleagues and I have hacked them repeatedly. We've created attacks that can spread from machine to machine like a computer virus and silently change election outcomes. And in every single case, we've found ways for attackers to sabotage machines and to steal votes. Across the country, there are about 52 different models of machines. They, they fall into essentially two styles, ones that scan a piece of paper or ones where the, vote, uh, the voter just interacts with the touch screen. And many of them have been analyzed now by researchers uh, looking for security vulnerabilities. In every single case where a U.S. voting machine has been analyzed by, by competent security researchers, they have found vulnerabilities that would let someone inject malicious software and change election data. Every single case. The better or the more efficient way of hacking machines would be to subvert them all through the machine that's used to actually program those machines. So prior to each election, uh, the county election office or the voting machine vendor will actually program memory cards for that election. It tells the machine who are the candidates, what are the, um, you know, the, the, the contests being decided, um, and that gets inserted into the voting machine. If you can alter, if you can subvert that machine that is used to program those memory cards, then you can pass uh, rogue software to the voting machine. Voting machines are not connected to the internet. This is something that you hear all the time in the US from election officials. Um, unfortunately, it's not actually true. In <laughs> many new voting machines, come with um, uh, 4G wireless modems so that they can be connected to the internet from the polling place in order to upload the results faster. Now, to me, that sounds crazy. Uh, why would you want to put your voting machines on the internet right in the middle of the election, potentially at the most vulnerable time? Studies conducted in 2007 by the state of California, state of Ohio, state of Florida, found security vulnerabilities that could take advantage of these to engineer viruses, where one compromised voting machine could then infect eventually the entire fleet of machines for an entire county. Typically, at the end of the election day, you move a memory card through each of the machines in the precinct, and that's to collect the vote totals. That process can spread a virus. And there are other processes. The details vary from machine to machine. And you say hacked, what were they able to do once they gained access to the machines? Oh, all sorts of things. They could uh, manipulate uh, the outcome of the vote. They could manipulate the tally. Uh, they could delete the tally. Um, and, and they could compromise the vote in any number of ways. Uh, the machines used in Georgia have been demonstrated to be hackable through a virus that's carried on ballot definition cartridges, very much like the Stuxnet virus was uh, inserted into uh, nuclear centrifuges in Iran. There are a number of states that outsource their reporting of elections to third parties, some of which are corporations based in other countries like Spain. Um, so you've got to trust that the aggregation of the votes and the reporting of the votes is, is, uh, is accurate as well. I'm pretty sure my undergrad computer security class at Michigan could have changed the outcome of the 2016 Michigan election if we wanted to. It, it is that bad.
And we have a combination of very powerful adversaries and unfortunately quite vulnerable and obsolete systems. That's, that's why I say it's only a matter of time. Unfortunately, in a lot of these systems, the audit trails are just as vulnerable as the other aspects of the system, so there may not be good forensic evidence of a successful um, intrusion. With the current design, we cannot be universally confident that it hasn't happened. Um, and it's probably only a matter of time before it will. I come here today as a computer scientist who spent the better part of the last quarter century studying uh, election system security. Uh, as you're well aware, the integrity of elections across the U.S. depends heavily on the integrity of computers and software systems. Unfortunately, much of this infrastructure has proven dangerously vulnerable to tampering and attack, and in some cases in ways that cannot be easily detected or corrected uh, after the fact. Uh, these vulnerabilities can create practical avenues for um, corrupt uh, candidates or foreign adversaries to do everything from cause large-scale disruption on election day to potentially uh, undetectably alter uh, election outcomes in some cases. So let me begin with the voting equipment itself. Uh, to be blunt, uh, it's a widely recognized, really indisputable fact that every piece of computerized voting equipment in use at polling places today can be easily compromised um, in ways that have the potential to disrupt election um, operations, compromise firmware and software, uh, potentially alter uh, vote tallies in the absence of uh, other safeguards. Uh, this is partly a consequence of historically poor design and implementation by equipment vendors, um, but it's ultimately uh, a reflection of the nature of complex software. It's simply beyond the state of the art uh, to build software systems that can reliably withstand targeted attack by a determined adversary in this kind of an environment. Uh, the vulnerabilities are real, they're serious, and absent a surprising and very fundamental breakthrough in my field, which I would welcome, but I don't see coming um, soon, probably inevitable. Uh, we give most of the attention to vulnerabilities in voting machines, but that's not the whole story. Each of the more than 5,000 jurisdictions responsible for running elections across the nation must maintain a number of critical information systems that are attractive targets for disruption by adversaries. Most important of these are voter registration databases, um, the systems that report uh, final results, uh, and so forth. Um, Unfortunately, there are even fewer standards for how to secure these systems. The administration of these systems varies widely, and the threats against these systems are often even more uh, acute than the threats against individual voting systems. Um, you know, just as we don't expect the local sheriff to single-handedly defend against military ground invasions, we shouldn't expect county election IT managers to defend against cyber attacks by foreign intelligence services, but that's precisely what we've been asking them uh, to do. I'm a professor of computer science and have spent the last 10 years studying the electronic voting systems that our nation relies on. My conclusion from that work is that our highly computerized election infrastructure is vulnerable to sabotage and even to cyber attacks that could change votes. Here's some audio <clears throat> from Commentary March 2 by Mike Lindell, also posted under his Lindell Report videos on frankspeech.com, in which Lindell, who's being sued for billions for defamation by voting machine companies, Dominion and I believe Smartmatic, and one of their executives, 
declares that, quote, these voting machines were built to steal elections, end quote. Lindell has launched a campaign to do away with all electronic voting equipment. You can learn more on frankspeech.com. Play soundbite three, please. Be our theme all week, everybody. My theme on my show all week long for at least half the show, because this is, I've waited for this. We have to get everyone, every county clerk, commissioners, um, all these, everybody on board uh, to sign this uh, class action lawsuit. That's the only way we're going to get rid of these machines. We need to get rid of them, and and then all the and then the the American people will get a petition up. I believe they're working on that now. Do you know how close they are with the of getting that up? Why don't we go to the Why don't we go to the video of the Halderman? How long is the Halderman tape? It's six minutes. Yeah. Why don't we put that up, everybody? I want you all to watch this. Remember, it's not just Dominion; it's all the machines. Dominion just has to be, they're just right out front. Isn't it? Some criminals are right out front with it, like Brad Rasselberg. Some hide in the shadows, like Chris Carr in Georgia. You know, so, I mean, Dominion just puts it right out there in Smartmatic. ES&S, Hart, Diable, they hide in the wings, Brandon. They hide, They sit back and go, hey, boy, if they get caught, we're the new team, right? They're the new criminals, you know. They're the new machines. And, and, and anyone out there, just so you know, everybody, you cannot... I've had people say, "Well, Mike, why don't we why don't we get machines made in the USA instead of China?" It doesn't matter. A computer is a computer is a computer. These these voting machines were built to steal elections. They were built to steal countries. They were built to um, compromise any and down tickets. We're finding down tickets like uh, everywhere that happened. Uh, uh, it was used in Colorado in uh, in. Uh, 2021 elections, Brandon, in all the, right. uh, it's any elections, everybody. They're hackable. These machines, even if you found one, let's just say you found a company that was on the up and up and they had the machines. Well, do we, do you really want to risk everything you have? We're living it now to lose your country forever because somebody hacks in. Right. Remember, Democrats warned us of this. This is what, you know, all of a sudden, it's okay with them because that because China picked them, right? You know. Uh, Lindell is uh, has said we have to get rid of these machines right away, and you're going to hear some video in a few moments that from uh, another election integrity warrior, uh, Javon Hutton Pulitzer, uh, that it's not possible this year, but he says eventually, yes, we are going to have to do this, um, but. It's interesting to note that in his counter lawsuit, I believe it's against Dominion, uh, Lindell <clears throat> states in their complaint that in his complaint that uh, not only the most of the parts made in China of these voting machines or many of them anyway, but um, the Chinese are infinitely familiar with how they work and everything. And so his his allegations that the Chinese uh, the Chinese were involved in the hacking would make a lot of sense if, if all this is correct. And that's what he states. He states in there that uh, Dominion, I believe he said Dominion or one of the voting machine companies, but I thought it was Dominion had pledged like some a number of their patents as collateral for a loan with a Chinese bank. Um, they've also had a lot of testing done in uh, 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 by a Chinese company in China on their voting machine. So, I mean, this is uh, all this stuff is t- seem to be tied in. Anyway, here's some more audio. And this time, as I said, from uh, 
another election integrity warrior, multimillionaire inventor and businessman, Javon Hutton Pulitzer. This is on March 29 on his Locals.com channel. Pulitzer also says we have to get rid of the machines, though it won't be possible in 2022. But here's what you can do to help. Play soundbite four, please. We have to get rid of the machines. This is a prime example of how corrupt all of our systems are. But we're not going to get rid of the machines, folks, before 2022. It is 2022. The way we're going to fight this right now, right now, is we are going to go in with our eyes open. We now know how it stole all the different stuff, and we're going to watch more closely and have more rules in place. They can say in 2022, by suits, it's going to be hand counted, but they can't kick the machines away right now. That's We can't do it. Some of these states have actually written laws that say you always have to have an electronic voting machine. That's why you can't just kick them out. That's so, so these people saying, we've got to get them out now, and it's got to be 2022 or nothing or nothing counts, they don't understand. We're dealing with 50 states, 50 different sets of laws. Some of them have written in, you have to have an electronic voting machine. They're not going away for 2022. But you're there for 2022 because your eyes are now open. You now see all the different ways to do it. We can certainly get these things out in 2024, but you have to activate. I showed you this because a lot of this government corruption is hidden up. Politicians like other politicians to be caught with kids, not to expose them. They want those guys compromised, so they own them. This is the way the game is played. Very few people right now are taking a stand. Now, I know you're watching what's going on in Wisconsin. Pay attention. Timothy Rampton, you watch a politician standing up. Read the bill. It's written in my technology in the bill. They are committed to getting it done right, but he is fighting a corrupt system that is compromised, that is now fighting to make sure it doesn't happen. But the only way we fix this is by knowing everything that happened in 2020. I thought it was very funny. I watched somebody post the other day that fancies himself an election expert. I've been to 25 states and talked to them about election integrity. I've talked to 15 on the phone and counseled them about it. Okay, great. I've been to one state. I've talked to two states on the phone. I've audited the one state, over 2 million ballots. It's not about talks. It's not about meetings. It's about getting the crap done. And now we know. Now we know all the interesting ways this has been done. But that's only one part of the job. The main part of this job is those of you that are listening to me, whether you listen to me or you drive to work in the morning on radio, you listen to me when you're coming home in the evening, same day, I'm on radio seven days a week. You're listening to me on Real Talk 93.3 or you're listening to a podcast or when I do this live to let people watch behind the scenes. This is up to us. There is no white horse coming in to save you. No one savior for this. You're the savior. You are the savior. And you have to stay on top of this. You have to stay on top of this. You have to stay up to date. That's why my job is to make you the smartest patriot in the room. That's why I say that. Here's the bottom line. Don't like what you're hearing, what I say? Pick up the phone and call your congresspeople, call your senators, 
and you must volunteer and get trained to work in our polls. That is the only way we're going to get them to cut the crap. Take care until next time. You hear a lot of talk these days, as I referred to earlier, about how we don't have, well, I've, in other, pl- other programs, I don't know if I did it on this program or not. I don't think I did just recently, but <clears throat> about how we don't have to worry. Uh, just wait till this November and the midterm elections. The Republicans will take over Congress and stop Joe Biden's insanity. This will not happen without a great deal of attention to getting the many voting integrity issues being dealt with decisively in this country. At present, our biggest problem is the reluctance of our apparently compromised Republican state legislatures, legislators to act decisively to establish real, true voting and election integrity in this country. Now, I know that many of them have been passing laws where they have Democratic governors. They're, those laws are being vetoed. Um, we, there's talk that they can, by the Constitution, the state legislatures, not the governors, control how the elections are held in their states. And there's talk that they could, uh, if you listen to last week's program, you may have heard last, the last program, sorry, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you heard, you may have heard John Solomon state talk about a, um, uh, some kind of resolution that the legislatures can pass, not a regular law that can be vetoed by a governor, but a consent decree or something that can call and allow uh, things to go forward with how the elections will be run. And if more of the legislatures do that, he was speculating that this would help a great deal in getting control of these runaway fraud engines, uh, such as ballot drop boxes, lack of chain of custody, and so forth. Uh, the What we need, in my opinion, uh, would be overturning the results of at least the 2020 presidential election. Um, there has been enough election fraud and or malfeasance that has been uncovered in at least three of the states, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia, to do this, I believe. But it's a tall order, and we are getting, as I said, a great deal of resistance from, surprisingly, we know the Democrats, of course, but the Republicans. These Republican legislators' reluctance to act in the face of enormous resistance by the communist-leaning Democratic Party and establishment figures, either out of fear from intimidation, extortion, bribery, blackmail, or what have you, is the biggest problem we face right now, as I said. So if you are involved in this fight and you can talk to your state legislature, it is important to follow them and see what they're doing. One of the major reasons for this resistance is the pressure being brought by the Communist Chinese Party. I am certain. According to commentators, um, including, I believe, Joe Hoff, uh, Joe and Jim Hoff, uh, the brothers, run the Gateway Pundit. Dick Morris has also made some comments about this. Uh, Communist Chinese economy, the world's second largest at present, is in reality a house of cards, as Hoff calls it, built on government manipulation and dependent on continued huge infusions of Western investment capital. At the same time, the CCP works assiduously to undermine Western governments, particularly the United States, by bribing government, business, and social leaders to promote policies that weaken and destroy those nations and strengthen communist China. If they can't bribe them, or sometimes they can bribe them, they also try to, I believe, extort them. Uh, we know the story about the, the, the Chinese spy, Honeypot, who was involved with the California congressman here. 
According to Dick Morris, Donald Trump's trade policies sent China, China's economy into recession. No wonder the CCP has been reneging on buying some 200 billion more in American goods under phase one of Trump's of the Trump CCP trade agreement that was negotiated before Trump left office. And it's also not surprising to believe that the CCP could have been an integral force in rigging the 2020 U.S. election to get rid of Trump. Here's audio from the program China Revealed on its YouTube channel titled Decoupling from China. U.S. has a moral duty to the world. This video was posted March 21. As as has been repeatedly reported, communist China is decoupling from its dependence on the West and at the same time seeking to increase dependence on it by other nations. Play soundbite five, please. Decoupling from China. U.S. has a moral duty to the world. Breaking trade dependence on China has been a much-discussed topic among leaders worldwide, especially during the pandemic, highlighting that most countries have a massive reliance on China for medical supplies and other critical components. One of the most notable cases was that of the United States. During Donald Trump's administration, it initiated a trade war with the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, in its eagerness to balance the trade balance. The U.S. concluded that the country cannot be economically dependent on an ideological rival, which could use the withholding of medical supplies and other critical components as a weapon. The U.S.-China trade war that began before the pandemic opened up questions and critical debates about the CCP's trade practices. China is now the world's second largest economy, but all those countries with which it has made relations are negatively affected. How China went from an impoverished nation to a major economy In 2001, with the support of then-U.S. President Bill Clinton, China joined the World Trade Organization, WTO. The initial idea of the West in letting the CCP join the WTO, whose record of repression and slaughter was already extensive at the time, was to try to replicate what happened to other Eastern countries. Authoritarian regimes such as South Korea and Taiwan assimilated Western values such as democracy, freedom of speech, and religion. They established a rule of law whereby they would play by the same rules as everyone else. That turned out to be perhaps one of the worst historical mistakes of the West, as the CCP never adopted Western values such as freedom of speech or freedom of religion, and still has the worst record of human rights violations. Once inside the WTO, the CCP opened its doors to foreign investors, who, with a vast labor force that was very cheap in comparison, managed to attract investors. As a result, industrialization turned China into a world power conceptually in two decades. In the words of Apple CEO Tim Cook, China has moved into very advanced manufacturing, so you can find in China the intersection of craftsman kind of skill and sophisticated robotics and computer science, that intersection which is very rare to find anywhere. The technical skill of the Chinese workforce is also the result of help from the West. With China's economic opening, Deng Xiaoping, the CCP leader at the time, began sending Chinese students to the United States to learn the art of business, economics, and industry at top U.S. universities to bring that knowledge back to China. The combination of cheap, highly skilled labor and industrial-scale facilities made China a temptation for entrepreneurs always looking to reduce the cost of their production. Trade Unbalance, the start of the trade war. When China doesn't want to fix the problem... In his campaign to become president, Donald Trump said... Because we can't continue to allow 
China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. It's the greatest theft. In fact, from 2010 onwards, in the U.S. trade balance with China, there was always a surplus of more than 300 billion in favor of China. That's because the Asian giant always exports more than it buys, not only with the United States but with the whole world. Trump assumed the presidency of the United States and launched an aggressive campaign seeking to balance trade with China. In July 2018, he imposed tariffs and taxes on 25% of all Chinese imports, more than 34 billion Chinese goods, which escalated in 2019 to 250 billion. From 2018 to 2019, Chinese imports to the United States went from nearly 540 billion dollars to 450 billion dollars, resulting in a reduction of the trade deficit of more than 75 billion dollars. Trump's strategy was simple: get China to buy more goods from the United States. In response, the CCP imposed tariffs on specific areas of U.S. imports: soybeans, pork, and the auto industry. Analysts say the Chinese regime's tariffs were aimed at hurting Trump's voting base, the rural population that gave him victory, since most U.S. soybean and pork production goes to China. In other words, the CCP did not bow to Trump's pressure. The war had a truce when Trump and Xi Jinping met in Buenos Aires during the G20, where they both agreed to sign a new trade agreement. So, was Trump right to start a trade war with the CCP? What are the advantages, and what are the losses? It is necessary to analyze what the CCP is accused of in terms of its trade practices, what the scenario would be for the U.S. economy by cutting its dependence on China, and the impact for the rest of the world. What are the CCP's harmful trade practices? When Trump took office, he opened an investigation into Chinese trade practices. He found that the CCP was indeed pursuing strategies that did not comply with WTO rules and were designed to maintain its economic power at the expense of other participants. While China grew thanks to other countries letting it into their markets freely, a report by the Economist claims that the Chinese regime prioritizes local companies. China gives them cheap loans or massive subsidies, free land to build on, or tax incentives, while at the same time restricting foreign companies' access to their local markets. In some cases, companies have to give up their technology to enter the Chinese market. Currency manipulation. In 2019, the Treasury Secretary designated China as a currency manipulator after the yuan fell 8%, despite China's economy growing. It accused the CCP of depreciating the Chinese yuan to keep its export prices low while charging more for imports. Currency manipulation occurs when a government or central bank buys or sells foreign currency in exchange for its own domestic currency to influence its relative value. By buying the dollar, the price of the Chinese yuan depreciates. So China, which is a net exporter, can sell its products at an artificially lower cost, making it more competitive. Then, as the Chinese economy continues to grow, the Chinese yuan rises in value relative to the dollar. To illustrate the scenario, let's say that the price of Chinese soybeans on the international market is one dollar a kilo and costs ten yuan. But if the yuan's value becomes stronger, the price goes from ten yuan to eight yuan to the dollar. With this, the value of Chinese soybeans rises to 1.25 dollars on the international market. Then, Chinese soybeans are no longer competitive, and China would lose sales in a normal situation. Therefore, the CCP, which manages the private and central banks, buys dollars to depreciate the yuan and always keeps prices lower on the international market. At the same time, this manipulation of its currency makes imports, i.e., when someone wants to sell something to China, more expensive than its local products. Manipulation of production costs. 
The Chinese regime is also accused of manipulating production costs to maintain a cheap labor force that other countries cannot compete with. Until 2012, China had a program called Re-Education Through Labor, which had an extensive network of forced labor camps populated by prisoners of conscience convicted not necessarily of a crime and used as labor to produce hundreds of thousands of goods for export. According to the accounts of those who managed to escape from these forced labor camps, under unsanitary and inhumane conditions, the prisoners were forced to manufacture everything from chopsticks to Christmas ornaments, lights, teddy bears, toys, etc. Prisoners received no monetary compensation, had extremely high daily quotas to meet, and were tortured by guards if they did not or could not comply. Some Falun Dafa practitioners, who at the time made up almost the entirety of the prisoners in these forced labor camps, gave testimony of how women and men over 70 years old were subjected in these places. Many died because they could not withstand the extreme pressure. At present, many human rights organizations have made similar accusations about the treatment of Xinjiang's Uyghurs. The production of millions of Chinese goods in the forced labor camps that defies human decency has destroyed the competition in international markets where the CCP has landed. Intellectual Property Theft Perhaps the most critical aspect of China's growth is intellectual property theft. How did China come to own brands of cars, cell phones, semiconductors, and other cutting-edge technologies? According to Bill Ivanina, a former U.S. counterintelligence director who served under Trump, the U.S. loses between $300 and $600 billion per year to Chinese espionage. FBI Director Christopher Wray said there had been a 1,300% increase in Chinese economic espionage in the last decade and that every 12 hours, the agency has to open an investigation. In July 2020, U.S. authorities permanently closed the Chinese consulate in Houston, Texas, alleging that the place was a spy hub and that an operation to steal COVID vaccine secrets had originated there. In January 2020, a Harvard University professor and two Chinese researchers were indicted by the Department of Justice for stealing nanotechnology research for the CCP. Several more cases were where CCP-funded faculty at elite universities transferred the intellectual property to the Chinese People's Liberation Army. What has the Biden administration done? While in practical terms, disengagement with China has not materialized in 2021, trade with China increased 19%, the Biden administration and Congress, albeit with a more moderate tone, are outlining a path to cut dependence on China. In February 2021, Biden issued an executive order intended to identify areas where the U.S. supply chain is dependent on China. In his one-year plan that expires this month, Biden asked various legal agencies to review the following areas and lay out a plan to decouple from China. Rare minerals, semiconductors, high-performance batteries for cars, pharmaceuticals and active pharmaceutical ingredients, personal protective equipment, in January of this year, Biden announced a $20 billion investment to build an Intel semiconductor factory in Columbus, Ohio, as part of U.S. efforts to return to chip production dominance. The investment is said to create 3,000 jobs and is the largest in Ohio. On February 9th, the U.S. government warned that if the CCP did not comply with its commitment set out in Phase 1 of the trade agreement it signed with Trump, which required China to increase imports of U.S. goods to $200 billion, it was within the realm of possibility to apply further tariffs. However, it detailed that it would do so in consultation with allies and the business community. 
However, this year, the Biden administration removed tariffs on some 549 Chinese import goods, including bicycles, textiles, medical supplies, industrial components, and thermostats. Although Biden has a much more moderate tone towards China than his predecessor in his speeches, he has reiterated his intention to strengthen the domestic industry. On the other hand, in June last year, the U.S. Senate passed a bill to strengthen U.S. geopolitical presence by allocating a total budget of $250 billion. The Innovation and Competition Act establishes specific tools to monitor the activities of academics and their relationships with foreign powers to prevent intellectual property theft. In addition, it allocates $90 billion for research and development of technologies to improve supply chains and includes a $52 billion incentive for more companies to build their factories in the United States. The bill still needs to be passed in the House of Representatives. What was the reaction of the Chinese Communist regime? While most countries suffered during the pandemic due to the closure of their economies and other measures to mitigate contagion, China grew in 2020 and 2021. According to work-from-home analysts, there was a lot of demand for technology produced in China. However, because China's statistics and data do not have independent scrutiny and are provided by the CCP, it is difficult to say whether China had growth during the pandemic, especially given the number of videos and images that leaked out of China showing entire towns and cities empty because people were forced to stay at home. Still, the CCP also came up with a plan to bolster its domestic economy and not rely so heavily on its imports, called Made in China 2025, MIC 25. The model put forward by the CCP is called dual circulation, which some experts in China say is a strategy to make China self-sufficient while making other countries more dependent on the Chinese market. According to the South China Morning Post, in Xi Jinping's words, it is a plan to gradually form a new development model in which domestic circulation plays a dominant role. A statement from the Chinese authorities describes the dual circulation model as a means to build a robust domestic market to comprehensively promote consumption and open up new space for investment. The plan's announcement could well be a strategy by the CCP to dispel fears of investors facing the fall of the real estate market, the case of Evergrande. The attack on large Chinese companies by the CCP, as in the case of Alibaba, has generated doubts and concerns about the future Chinese market. In its business practices, the CCP has already prioritized its own companies over foreign ones and indicates its clear intention to decrease its imports. According to a 2021 Harvard Business Review analysis, the Chinese regime has set aside more than $500 billion in various funds to support indigenous research and development, R&D, in technologies and products China currently relies on foreign companies. Part of the CCP's MIC25, as mentioned above, is the extraction of intellectual property. As explained by the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission, as part of China's licensing documentation procedures, commercial enterprises are required to provide detailed information about their products and processes to Chinese regime agencies at the local and central levels. In other words, to gain access to the Chinese market, companies have to seed their designs, which local companies will then replicate. In turn, these companies will receive subsidies from the state until they can produce the same product and displace the foreign company from the market. In other instances, to develop its technology, the CCP directly uses commercial espionage. In 2010, American Superconductor, AMSC, a significant supplier of the software used to control wind turbines, discovered that its Chinese partner, Sinovel, paid Dejan Karabesovic, a Serbian engineer employed at AMSC's development facility in Austria, $1.7 million for the complete AMSC source code. Consequences for the U.S. of Disengaging from China 
A report by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce analyzed a possible scenario if the United States were to cut its dependence on China. The report presents figures estimated in the billions of dollars of losses in different areas where U.S. companies are currently, partially, or wholly manufacturing their products in China, some of which return to be sold in the United States. While the report is based on concrete figures of the current trade exchange between the two nations, and that many large American companies such as Intel, Nike, and Apple have China as their best customer, the impact would be significant. The Chamber of Commerce's approach does not consider a gradual transition with the support of the federal government. The Biden administration has already indicated it is willing to commit to many of these factories returning to the United States and reducing production costs. To be sure, breaking economic dependence on China will bring losses, at least in the first few decades. But the long-term goal has more benefits with the prospect of creating millions of domestic jobs. Conclusion. A cold analysis of the data shows that breaking trade dependence on China will be costly for the United States. However, the CCP has already begun its plan to end its dependence on foreign companies in the most critical technology areas and strengthen its domestic industry and export even more to continue to grow. On the other hand, given the high degree of pollution in China, where drinking water is scarce, the CCP, through the Belt and Road Initiative, has ensured that many countries rich in mineral resources will give them access to these resources in exchange for unpayable loans. In other words, the CCP has already begun its process of disengaging from the United States. So why shouldn't the United States do the same? Compelling reasons to decouple: the CCP has enriched itself tremendously. First, with the United States' help to educate the Chinese and enter the WTO and become a large economy. Second, by stealing intellectual property through espionage and forcing companies that enter the Chinese market to hand over their technology designs to the state. As a result, China today has its own cars, cell phones, semiconductors, appliances, and computers. Third, through its harmful trade practices, which do not comply with the WTO standards that the CCP signed, China competes unfairly with the rest of the markets. In developing countries, thanks to the corruption of local governments that continue to sign trade agreements and declare China as a market economy, it gets unrestricted access to sell as much as it wants. As a result, these countries are in an economic crisis because of their complete dependence on China. In other words, countries in Africa and South America are in constant financial crisis because the local markets are flooded with Chinese products. As a result, their domestic industry is almost non-existent. To solve hyperinflation, instead of stopping depending on China and producing locally, governments increase taxes and continue to borrow, generating a vicious cycle of debt that has no end. Additionally, the CCP's economic growth has given it the resources to continue repressing innocent people. Hundreds of thousands of believers have been killed by the CCP's repressive apparatus, thanks to its officials' monetary incentives. From these points of view, the United States, the leader of the free world, has a moral duty to the world to decouple from China and stop feeding the red dragon that has been devouring humanity. If you put aside the glowing. Sycophantic tributes to the supposed wonders of communist China today, and the muted bleeding—that's bleating—symbolic protests about its terrifying evils by our bought-off educational, social, government, and media elites, and seek other sources of information about the CCP. You get a much clearer picture of reality. To do this, you can. Take a look at theepictimes.com. That's、uh, t h e e p o c h t i m e s dot com. 
and consider subscribing for just $5 a month to their insightful news and opinion to get a much more realistic picture of our own country as well as of CCP-controlled China. My understanding is the Epic Times was founded by uh, supporters of the Falun Gong Buddhist sect, which at one time had 100 million followers in China before the bloody crackdown on them began under um, the former uh, head of China, uh, Zhang Zemin, who's still a major figure in the Chinese Communist Party. Um, the uh, you, If you do this, if you do this subscription, you also get gain access to their NTD television. That's N like in Nancy, T like in Tom, D like in David, NTD television. And it's many wonderful news programs such as China in Focus and China Insider. You can also see more of the truth about Observer and the aforementioned China Revealed, as well as Lay's Real Talk. That's L-E-I apostrophe S, Real Talk. One of the most inspiring aspects for me during the many election integrity battles over the, these months since the 2020 election debacle has been seeing the many true patriot Americans from all different backgrounds come forward and join in this epic battle to save our country. If we're going to turn the nightmare that has befallen us around and save our nation and way of life, we have to become self-sufficient and decouple from our dependence on communist China. And we must ensure that no foreign or domestic enemy has any influence over our elections. This will be no mean feat, but we still have our constitution and rule of law to guide us and work with, supported by all the truly great people standing up and standing together. Because of this, I'm convinced that we as a people can accomplish what has to be done. That's it for another show. As always, we. Hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted shortly on the Jim Benson show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again in the same time slot two weeks from today. Have a great rest of your day and evening.